the book of Colossians. The epistle to the Colossians, chapter 3, verses number 15, 16, and 17 tonight. All right, Colossians chapter 3, verses number 15, 16, and 17. Got a lot going on here, I'm trying to... See if I can get better organized here. Sorry about that. All right. Now, our scriptures teach us tonight in Colossians 3, 16 and 7, 15, 16, and 17. It says, And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and in spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatsoever you do in word or deed... Do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. We are moving on. And last week I called this the message, Moving Forward or Moving On. And uh, tonight we're going to be singing, singing, well, we are going to be singing, uh, seeing some singing uh, about uh, here this evening. And one of the things that we need to move on in, move forward in, is this lesson on singing, this thing on singing. But the point of this little, these three little verses that Paul is trying to give to us here this evening is that he has gone through, as we, as we know, that this thing that we ought to be putting off the old, mortifying the deeds of the flesh, uh, getting rid of the old life, and then as we're putting those things off, we ought to be putting on new things, uh, love, meekness, temperance, uh, all the rest of it, mercies and kindness. And then he says in verses 15, 16, and 17, he adds three more imperatives to go along with that. Three more commands. Um, And that shouldn't be unusual for us as we, uh, I gave you the illustration last week that whenever a child learns their ABCs, you don't stop there. You say, no, we need to move forward. There's more to learn. There's more to understand. And that's the way it is with the Christian life. I think in the Christian life, you ought to always be growing. Uh, he says, and grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To Him be glory both now and forever. Amen. So we ought to always be growing, growing, growing. The idea there in Second Peter 3.18 is to grow in grace, is that you don't stop growing. You keep growing. You keep going on uh, for the Lord, for the Lord. A cool plant that is out there is uh, called, is the asparagus plant. Uh, and asparagus is a great plant because uh, they're, they're, they're real hardy, for one. Uh, but for another is that if you wanted to, you can just grow those in your flower bed. Did you know that? You just grow them in your flower bed. And uh, it's a crown. And whenever it comes up, you cut what you want off. And then uh, those crowns will begin to multiply over time. It takes them a long time to grow. They're not, they're not quick growing plants. They're not like tomatoes that you just grow and and you know, man, 60 days later, you got tomatoes. That's not the way it is. You usually have to grow asparagus, and you have to wait maybe a year, and then you'll have some asparagus come up, and then uh, you wait, you cut it, and have some more, and have some more. But it keeps, it keeps producing itself. It keeps growing uh, as long as it's given, in the, given the right conditions. And that's the way it is for the Christian life. We just keep growing. We're not like tomato plants, amen, that just are here for a season, and then we're gone. Uh, no, we want to be we want to be 
people that are growing all the time, all the time in the Lord. And so uh, he tells us in order to do that, then we need to move forward in some things. The first thing that we looked at last week was that we need to have our hearts governed by the peace of God. We need to have, it, we need to have our hearts being ruled by the peace of God. Uh, and we looked at last week that, you know, the thing about peace is that oftentimes that people think that it is kind of subjective. It's something that is not very, it's a touchy-feely type thing. But peace is not that. Peace is something that's very real. It's concrete. It's tangible. You can hold on to it, if you will. It's something in which we can say to our hearts, I need peace in my heart. And how do you base peace upon? What do you base it upon? The Word of God. And the Word of God is real. It's holdable. And we can base our life upon the peace of God and let the peace of God rule our hearts. The Bible even tells us in verse number 15, he says, To the which also you are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Uh, I, you know, if peace is subjective, then thankfulness is subjective, right? <laughs> but thankfulness is not subjective. All right, Randy? You never say to your mom after a good meal, and she says, you better say thank you to that person, or they say thank you for that meal. You never say to her, well, I feel very thankful. You, know? no, you never say that to anybody. You, know? you don't feel thankful. You are thankful. You know? And you don't feel peace. You have peace. You can in your hearts unto the Lord. Uh, and then he continues on in verses number 16 and 17. And I hope to deal with these two tonight especially uh, the first one, and that is that uh, we see in moving forward, we ought to have not just the peace of God in our hearts, but we ought to have the Word of God in our hearts. And then finally, you have the name of God uh, that controls your whole entire life. Um, kind of interesting in these three verses right here, going back to chapter, verse number 15, look what it says. It says, and let the peace of God... Look at verse 16, let the word of Christ, and look at verse number 17, it says, whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord. There's three ofs in those three verses, and all of them are of God. It's of God. It's of God that we have peace in our hearts. It's of God that we sing and make melodies in our hearts unto the Lord. It's of God that whatsoever you do in word or in deed, we do it to the glory of the Father. So he says here in verse number 16, he says, of God. It's all about God. It's all about Him. And that's the, that is the whole premise of Colossians. I hope we've been learning that and maybe you've got that down in your mind. I hope that you have got it so well attached to your brain now that the Colossians, that the, that the, the theme of Colossians is that the preeminence of Christ, that Christ is all in all. I hope you've got that so well attached to you that you're tired of me saying it, all right? I want you to be tired of me saying that the theme of Colossians is the preeminence of Christ, that Christ is all in all. When you're tired of me saying it, then I know you got it, okay? All right, does that make sense? All right. The mother of all learning is, anybody know? Repetition, yes, yes, that is the mother of all learning, repetition, 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 repetition. That's why my Greek teacher said that when you're dying one day and you're dying in bed, he said, I want you to be able to say, oh, ace, ace, oh, ace, ace, amenete usi. 
OSAs, Amanetta Usi. When you're in an Alzheimer's facility one day and somebody looks at you and you're saying OSA, Amanetta Usi, just say he took Greek with uh, Mr. Huddleston. And uh, that's uh, any repetition over and over and over and over and over and over. Preeminence. That's what the book of Colossians is all about. Christ is all in all. This will probably be our last message in the book of Colossians on Wednesday night as I'm looking, at the, as I'm looking ahead. Next month is missions month and uh, probably be dealing with something more related to missions next Wednesday night. But um, we're going to take a break on Wednesday nights from Colossians and, um, and we'll see what happens. But I, I, I might uh, pick up this book here on a Sunday morning as we deal with these particular relationships that he's going to deal with here in verses 18 through chapter 4, verse number 1. But nonetheless, tonight we're dealing with the Word of God. We ought to be filled up with the Word of God. That's what he says. This is a command. This is what we ought to be doing. We ought to be uh, letting the Word of Christ, there's that word let again. Remember what I told you last week? Whenever you see the word let in your scriptures in the New Testament, that oftentimes that is relating to a command. Let You ought to do this. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. Or you might say it like this. The word of Christ should dwell in you and inhabit you abundantly. That means that the word of God, the word of Christ, ought to fill you to the brim, if you will. That's how how Jesus works. Jesus always works by filling things to the brim. You ever remember what happened at the marriage supper at Cana? And Mary told him that, it is, that, that to, uh, they don't have any, have any wine. And Jesus uh, told them to go get the pots. And what, did he, what was his specific instructions? To get water and he said to what? He said, fill it to the brim. Fill it to the top. Fill them full. And that's always the method of Christ. The method of Christ is always to fill us to the top. My cup, what? Runneth over. That's always the method of God. God, doesn't, God is not satisfied with just having uh, one finger in the glove, if you will. Now, He wants control of the whole life. Take my life and let it be fully consecrated, Lord, unto Thee. My cup runneth over. How much of the Word of God is in you? Let the Word of Christ control you, fill you up. The Word in Christ, He says, enables us to have peace. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you in all wisdom. Let it it be inside of you. Let it be uh, filled up. You say, well, how does that happen? How are we going to get the Word of Christ in us? How are we going to get it inside of me? How am I going to be filled up with Jesus, if you will? Well, there's lots of ways, okay? And we don't have the time to look at every single uh, way to do that. But in our text, according to the context... One of those ways is to begin to teach yourself and to admonish yourself with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, making a melody in in your hearts unto the, the Lord. That is one sure way that you can start to begin to be filled up with the words of Jesus Christ. Have His Word singing in your heart, making melody in your heart. 
And let me deal with this first. That is one way to test, if you will. If you want to test tonight to know what you're filled up with, then what do you sing about? That is a test. That's a good test for us all. What are you singing about? What songs come into your head? What kind of songs come out of your mouth? What kind of songs uh, are, are playing on your radio? What kind of songs are playing uh, in your car? What kind of songs are playing on your phone? What kind of songs are playing uh, in, your, in your ears, in your earbuds? What, are, what, what, is, what is going into, your, into you? What are you singing about? I don't just mean on Sunday morning. If people think, well, this is reserved for just uh, church folks. That's not what he's talking about. This is a, not just in the church, but it's all the time singing and making melody into your, in your hearts unto the Lord. What do you sing about? What do you listen to? Listen to the world sing. What do they sing about? Well, I'll tell you what they sing about. They sing about what they're filled up with. They're singing about what's in their hearts. And so what they sing about is what they want out of life. It's what they desire out of life. It's what they want out of their life. They want all kinds of things. They sing about sex, drugs, alcohol. They sing about suicide and depression and being down and out. They sing about money. Fame, they sing about making love, being in love, loving this person, loving that person, loving this girl, boy loving girl, boy loving boy, girl loving girl. That's what they sing about. They sing about money, they sing about fame, they sing about riches, they sing about cars, they sing about women, they sing about men, they sing about lovers, they sing about people, they sing about great people, they sing about small people, they sing about their family, Uh, they sing about famous people, they sing about people that they hate. People that they love, well, they're, 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 they're expressing themselves in their music. I'm not talking about rhythms and uh, melodies and upbeats and downbeats and tempos and trebles and bass and all this kind of thing. I'm, I'm not even going to get on all of that kind of thing tonight. I'm just saying, listen to the words that the world sings about. And I don't just mean that they sing, well, they sing one good song. You know, everybody has one good song that they sing, right? Uh, that, that, this song, that's, I, mean, I mean, everybody's got one good song, it seems like, that they sing. That, that maybe you could uh, play it in a, uh, in a neutral zone and nobody, nobody would be offended by it. Uh, but listen to the other things. Listen to all their work. I mean, Willie Nelson sings Amazing Grace, right? You know, and Alan Jackson has his greatest hymns. But it also lets you know that in order to be saved, you've got to be baptized, you know, in one of his songs. Elvis loved to sing gospel songs. Ray Charles began singing in church. But he turned out to be a drug addict and a womanizer. Uh, so many famous musicians began their career in church. Did you realize that? A lot of them began in church. But let us never justify listening to the rest of their music or their music uh, just because we say, well, they began in church 
or they sing this particular song, or they sing this, and uh, they sing some good gospel melodies, or things like that. Uh, Even though the vast majority of their music teaches us things that are very contrary to the Word of God. Bad theology, worldly living. But anyhow, the point is this, is that the world expresses itself through music, all right? And so when something becomes a hit, something becomes famous, if you will, uh, of course the beat and the rhythm and all that play has a lot to do with a lot of those kinds of things and how well somebody can sing. And uh, really today, I don't even know if anybody really can sing. You don't really know what somebody really sounds like today because they can make their voice electronically sound any way that they want want them to sound. And uh, really what music today is doing is it's pushing the image of somebody and uh, they're really using, you know, X, Y, and Z as pawns uh, to make their millions and profit off of them. And then once they've used them and abused them like a, uh, and I don't mean to say it like this, but like a prostitute, and they just throw them out to the window and they say, we're done with you and we'll find somebody else. And they pick up another little 13-year-old off of uh, Disney and, uh, and always for some reason they want to grab them from there. And uh, they use and abuse them until they've wore them out and uh, thrown them to the curb. And then you end up shaving your hair and going to a tattoo parlor and, you know, coming out, you know. And uh, it's Britney Spears, by the way, if anybody, you know, knows. <laughs> well, my point is this, is that, is that the world is out there, uh, and it's got, it's got a lot of things pent up inside of it. It's got a lot of emotion and feelings that are inside of them, and they, and they want to get them out. And if you're going to listen to that, then guess what's going to happen is that you're going to begin to feel those things, same kinds of things. People say, well, I'm not affected by music. That is the stupidest and most illogical, and you know you're wrong when you say that. Because that's totally false. All research, all research points... Why do you think they have music? Because people are affected by it. That's why. Why do you think, well, not now, but why do you think they had concerts, you know, with thousands and thousands of people, right? Because people are affected by music. That's why. That is the only reason why. And if you say otherwise, you're lying to yourself, and you know you're lying to yourself. It affects us. It, it, It gets in us. Uh, but the world expresses it through its... Uh, and what are you filled up with? What, are, what songs are you singing? Because it will affect your life. It will affect your life. Uh, I will find myself singing a song of the past sometimes. I'll find it in my head and I'll find myself begin to sing it and uh, begin to sing that song. And uh, before I know it, I'm singing the whole song and I'm singing other songs in my, in my mind. I have to catch myself and, I, and you have to... When you do that, you have to stop yourself, and you have to say to yourself, you know, I don't want to sing that anymore. I really want to sing about God. I want to sing about the Lord. I want to sing something good and gracious and godly. I want to sing something that uh, brings glory to God, and you have to mentally stop yourself and say, I want to do something. I want to sing something good, and you have to start thinking, what do I want to sing? And then you get your mind thinking on psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, making melody in your hearts as unto the Lord. So let's go through a couple of these. What are psalms? Psalms are really, psalms in the early, early days of the church, all right, what they would do is they would literally take the psalms, as some people call it, the song book of the Bible, 
And that's what psalms were. They would have been songs. Um, they would have taken the psalms and literally sang the psalms, sang the psalms. And that's what they would have sung. Uh, we have some, we, I even sing some songs, psalms. Uh, I know some of them. I can't think of one off the top of my head. But uh, there's psalms to sing here. Um, but a psalm uh, literally is, is a music put, or excuse me, uh, a song put to music. A song put to music. That's what a psalm is. Or you might even say it like this. Some even believe that it is a song put to instrument. A song put to instrument. Um, these are contemplative most of the time. These are devotional in type. They're prayerful songs because that's what psalms are. Psalms are prayers. And so these are prayerful songs. Uh, songs that are psalms that are set to an instrument. Um, this shouldn't be unusual to us, all right, because um, we have a hymn book, right, the, the living hymns here. And I like our hymn book on the front right there. It says, Psalms and Hymns and Spiritual Songs of the Faith, right there, um, taking that straight from Colossians right there. But um, Karis has a hymn book, too, and uh, she plays the notes over there. But if you wanted a clarinet to be playing up here, uh, she, she, they would need a, uh, another hymn book with their notes inside of there. Or am I right, Caleb? You'd have to have a trumpet if you really wanted your, uh, your to be playing, or a guitar. You'd have to have your notes right there. It's songs set to music, set to particular kinds of music. Uh, not all music plays the same. Uh, I've learned that over, over time. I thought, man, you know, well, why don't, you know, we got a hymn book. Why can't anybody that wants to just... If you know music, just use that right there. No, I need my hymn book. Uh, I need mine. I need to uh, have my notes, violins and such forth. Um, but they're psalms. Uh, that's one type of music that we sing. Another song that we sing is, is uh, hymns, hymns, religious songs, songs that we sing in church, songs that are not uh, just contemplative, but the main focus of hymns are to do what it says here in verse number, going back to Colossians chapter number 3. Uh, the main focus of hymns are uh, to uh, teaching us and admonishing us. That's the main focus of a hymn, is to teach us and to admonish us. Um, I had some hymns there that I had written out. Um, Here's a, good, here's a good hymn of admonishment about sin. It's called, um, it's in our hymn books of 473, Yield Not to Temptation. The song says, yield not to temptation for yielding is sin. You know, it talks about, the song, the, the whole song will talk about, it actually says, uh, don't have bad language. It talks about having a, a right attitude. Uh, it's a song of admonishment, of admonishment. We just sang a song of admonishment. The refrain says, trust and obey. For there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. That's, a, that's an admonishment. That's a hymn that says, if you don't trust and obey God, you're not going to be happy. These, the hymns are really preaching to us when we're singing them is what they're doing. Uh, soul winning, uh, throw out the lifeline across the dark way. That's a song of admonishment. Do it. Uh, rescue the perishing, care for the dying. That's an admonishment. Care for them, love them. Uh, must I go in empty hand? That's a great. Uh, there's songs for sinners. We have a host of them uh, in our in our hymn book. 
songs that are just written to sinners, uh, that say, uh, just as I am, without one plea. He's telling him, hey, come, come. Why don't you come to Christ? It's a plea to sinners. Um, there's, uh, we sang one tonight about, will Jesus find us watching? That's, a, that's teaching us about Jesus' return. Uh, following Christ, we just sang the one six eleven. Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to Thee. Uh, then the, the the hymns teach us doctrine. Um, go ahead and open up your hymn book. Look at look at hymn number one hundred and six. I really wish I could just take you through all of these, but I don't. You know, it's just a but you ought to just read them sometimes because they are, they are there to admonish us, to teach us. Now, this is a song we sing a lot around the uh, season of Christ's birth. But I want you to notice something. Look here. Glory to the newborn king. Glory to the newborn king. What is that teaching us? That's teaching us that we ought to give glory to Jesus Christ, the newborn king. Peace on earth and mercy mild. What is that saying? Well, that comes straight from the scriptures, Luke 2.14. The angel said what? Peace on earth. That's what he came to bring. God and sinners reconciled. That's a great teaching right there, is that God and man have been reconciled. Why? Because the newborn king has come. Joyful, all ye nations rise. How many nations? All ye nations. The king didn't just come for the Jews, but he also came for the Gentiles. Look at verse number 2. Christ the highest heaven adored. Christ the everlasting Lord. What is that saying? It's saying to us that Jesus is God. He's everlasting. Look here, it teaches us in... The second part of verse, second verse, offspring of a virgin's womb. What is that? Virgin birth. Veiled in flesh the Godhead see. What is that? The incarnate, the incarnation of Jesus Christ. Look at the end of verse number three. Born to raise the sons of earth. What is that teaching us? It's teaching us about the resurrection of the dead. Born to give them second birth. That goes back to John 3. You see, these, great, these, these hymn writers, they didn't just write to be writing. It wasn't just something that they were, oh, they just, you know, we'll write some words down. These songs are meant for instruction. They're meant for learning. They were meant to teach something to us. And what happens whenever you get these songs in your heart and your mind? What happens? Well, you start singing them. And you start getting it in your, in your head and in your mind and, and in your heart. And it, it, it teaches you and it admonishes you. And, it, and you think about these kinds of things as you're singing through them. They're hymns. Hymns were not written necessarily for comfort, though some were, but they were written to teach us and to admonish us. And then he says that you have songs of spiritual, uh, spiritual songs. Um, you could say they are songs of a spiritual nature. Some might even word this as supernatural songs. 
when the words of Christ are filling our hearts, we'll want to sing the words of Christ. Is your music spiritual? That's the question. He says, spiritual songs. Singing spiritual songs unto the Lord. We ought to have spiritual songs. If we've got peace in our hearts and in our minds, uh, then we'll have these songs filling our hearts and our minds. But we will not have that peace that we so much look for when we're singing worldly music. It is so sad a person cannot understand. This happens to people. It is sad that people do not understand sometimes the world, I mean, why they feel so down. Why do they feel so depressed? They don't make the correlation that they're listening to music that is promoting depression and suicide. And they're also feeling depressed and suicidal. They don't make the spiritual connection. And there is a spiritual connection between the two. We ought to be having these songs in our heart that are good and edifying as unto the Lord. Proverbs 25, 20 says this, As he that taketh away a garment in cold weather, and as vinegar upon nitre, so is he that singeth songs to a heavy heart. Such unreasonable myrrh does not relieve, but increases a man's grief. Whenever you get to the songs of the world that put you down and make you feel low, it doesn't help you. It's like... It's not helping you to listen to that worldly music, all right? And well, it kind of it gets me, you know, no, it doesn't help. It's putting you down. It's like going out to a man that's already poor and stealing his jacket away from him. You've not made him better. You've made him worse. He was already in a poor condition, and now you've taken away his jacket from him. And that's the way it is with ungodly music, is that... Whenever you're down and out and you're already in a bad place in your life, and then you go ahead and listen to ungodly music, what happens? Well, you just, you're even worse off than you were when you started. So be careful with that. Let us also touch on this. Music in the church is to employ all normal methods used in music. It is to employ rhythms and melodies and harmonies and timing and arrangements. In fact, in Ephesians chapter number 5 in verse number 19 is the sister verse or the uh, cross-reference to this verse, Ephesians 5, 19. And it says, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Here we are saying, making a melody. What is the point here? Is that, is that, that the songs of the church here is uh, songs that are to be Put to, put to rhythm, put to uh, music, put to harmony and timing and arrangement and all those kinds of things. Interesting, I found out too, the word melody is actually the word that would, they would have used to describe the twang sound. Like when somebody twangs on a guitar or strums a guitar. That's the word melody in the Greek right there. Uh, to twang it, to, 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 strum, uh, to strum the string. So uh, here we're connecting in this passage here uh, instrumental music with singing music together. Uh, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. It's going to be kind of hard to sing music in your heart 
if an instrument is required to sing with music, right? All right, so some people, well, this is all about in the heart. This is where it stays, in the heart. Well, that doesn't make any sense. Singing in your hearts? I could understand that in a minute, but how am I going to play an instrument at the same time while I'm singing? That doesn't make sense. The point is putting it out there, singing, letting your words come out. This is not just referring to individuals, but if you go back in your text too, he says you have been called unto one body. The text is going back to the church, thinking about the church, singing in the church, teaching in the church, admonishing one another in the church with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And then he says, in the heart. What does he mean by in the heart? He means simply this, is that the word in the heart means that it comes from the heart. It's out of the heart. It's with the heart. The music that comes from a spiritual heart is music to God's ears. Is music to God's ears. These songs that we sing, we ought to be... It ought to be when we sing these songs, these songs are meant to be sung as prayers back to God and as praises back to God. They're meditative and contemplative so that we may sing to the Lord. That's how you have the word of Christ dwelling in your hearts. So I just don't feel like I have it in there. What are you listening to? And let me deal with one more other aspect of this. The church of Christ will have you to believe that it's wrong to use instruments in the church, all right? And they will use this verse, and they will say that singing with instruments is reserved uh, for outside events of the church, not in the church, all right? Um, they say that you ought to not use it. This means you can use... What they mean by this is, that, is that, that you can use instruments in private. There's no harm or foul for your son or daughter to learn how to play the guitar or the violin or the clarinet just so long as you don't do it in church, as long as you don't do it in church. Um, also, as I said earlier, they believe that it's making melody in your hearts as unto the Lord and not using instruments. You're doing it in your heart. The problem is this, is that they... I'll speak about this into a moment, but, uh, but they also say it's in the heart. It's not with an instrument, all right? There's several issues here, a lot of issues, all right? Number one, they sing in church, all right? The Church of Christ does, all right? They sing in church. So they're not just singing in their hearts. They're singing out loud, all right? They are singing out loud in their church. They're not speaking to themselves. They're not keeping the music in their hearts, so they deny their own commands. Secondly is this, is that they add to the Word of God. They add something that is not here. They say that because the Bible never puts musical instruments with singing in the New Testament, that means we shouldn't do it either. But I, what that's called is called adding to the Word of God. But let me say this in rebuttal. The Bible also never says that we should have pews or church buildings, or parking lots, or offering plates, either. So, it also says, we, it never tells us that we should have a radio broadcast ministry. It doesn't say any of those things. But that's what the Church of Christ does, too. 
So they are limiting, they're adding to the Word of God, but they're saying, well, but we can do these things, even though the Bible doesn't specifically say to do them or to not do them. The Bible never tells us to baptize people for salvation, yet they still do that. They steal from the Word of God and believe that baptism is what saves you. Also, they are okay with musical instruments outside of the church. So it's, so it's okay to glorify God. So it's not okay to glorify God with a musical instrument, but you can glorify everything else outside the church. It doesn't line up either. Um, they tell you it's okay to go to a Bill Gaither concert, but just don't do it in the church. Just don't do that in the church. And the fourth thing is this, is that because they think like this and teach this, this is a complete and total misunderstanding of the church. Because they're saying that they think that the church means the building. Don't use them in the building. Outside the building, okay. Inside the building, not okay. Well, folks, that's just being hypocritical. Woe unto them, ye blind guides, which say, Whoever shall swear by the temple, it is nothing, but whoever shall swear by the gold of the temple, he is a debtor. Ye fools and blind, whether is greater the gold of the temple that sanctifieth the gold. What is greater, the music or the church of the living God that sanctifies the musical instruments? What, what's greater? I, I tell you what's greater, the church of the living God that sanctifies them, his musical instruments. Greater than all the other things. And then... Um, because they teach a heresy on salvation, you will always find this. And, and, and be careful as you look at, as you, as you deal with other people that are in churches that, that don't teach the, the Word of God properly, you will always find that people that don't will always add to the Word of God. Always. They always will add to the Word of God. Why do... Why do, why do people do this? Why do, why do other people, why do other churches that, um, that are not teaching the Word of God, why does, why does the Catholic Church uh, add to the Word of God? Why, why do they do that? It's to further enslave people in the religion. That's the reason. It, it is another trap so that they can sink their teeth into them and so that when somebody that's been involved in a, in a church that doesn't teach correct things, and then they come into a church that does cor teach correct things, and all of a sudden somebody's playing a piano, oh man, they're, 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 they've been so enslaved, they've been trapped, that they say, oh, that's wrong, I can't do that, you know? I, I, I can't be in this church. And they, and, and, they, and, they, and they feel bad. They feel bad, their conscience bothers them for it. And... That's what happens every time. You always can bank on it, is that churches that will not teach correctly upon salvation will always add to their teachings, add to the Word of God. Now, I don't want to stay here long, but I do want to say this. This is the final and third result of putting on. What is it? Is that we'll do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. I love how he says this in Colossians 3.17. I know we're getting late, and I know you're tired, but... Let us just finish this here. He says in Colossians 
He goes back here and he says, And whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Very simple point. The final and third result of putting on and putting off is that you will do everything for the glory of God in both word, and I like to say it like this, in word and work, in word and work, in word and deed, both things. In your words, you'll be thankful, as he says in verse 17, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Be thankful for what? Everything, all of it, being thankful to God and in work, and in work. All, everything you do, do all to the glory of God. Whether therefore you eat or drink, whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. Our Colossians 3.23 says uh, there at the, end of the, at the end of the chapter there, and whatsoever you do, do heartily as to the Lord and not unto men. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it as the ability which God giveth, that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. Amen. And so the question remains is this, it says, is simply this, is what are you doing? What are you singing? Are you thankful? Are you ministering? Are you serving? What are you doing? Are you helping? Are you giving? Are you teaching? Are you preaching? Are you being forgiving? Are you forbearing one another in love? Are you being merciful and kind and loving and cheerful? Is the peace of God ruling over your heart? Do you have joy in believing in God? Then what does he say? Then do it all. To the name of the Father through Jesus Christ. Do it all to the glory of God. Why? Because Christ is all in all. He's preeminent. He's number one. There is no else. Everything is to be dedicated to God. Take my life, Lord, and let it be consecrated, separated, Lord unto thee. I don't think the apostle can make it much plainer in your peace, in your hearts, in your music, in, in everything you do. I mean, can you believe that our New Testament, that our New Testament that was written almost 2,000 years ago, that our New Testament, when he's talking about all of our life, the completeness of our life, everything that we're supposed to do in life, that he would put music in there. Of all the things that he could have put in there, he put music in there. Because God knows the power of music. He knows it. And he even put that in there to say, everything you do. Are you putting on these good works? Are you putting off the evil deeds? Then I encourage you with this tonight. Listen to me. Don't, don't give up. Don't quit. Govern your heart with the peace of God. Be filled with the word of Christ. Do everything that you do in the name of God. Giving glory to God and the Father by Jesus Christ. This is the life we need to live in Christ. It's not of ourselves. It's all from God. It's all God's life working through us to accomplish what He will. And may God help us to do everything of God, of Christ, in the name of our Lord and Savior. To Him be glory both now and forever. Amen.